Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. This is the fourth in our series of Undeception. And today we're going to be talking about Undeception out of Darkness. Um, my name is Mike Stoffer. I've been a member here for, well, since the beginning for 38 years. And uh, um, very happy, very happy to be here today. Um, so coming out of the gate, I'll make a little comment on my connecting song. It was very interesting. First of all, any Yankee fans, there was no problem at all. Uh, I had a few people say, rock on, excellent, all right. And then I had a couple people just kind of almost freak out, say, what the heck are you doing? Well, the refrain in that song, uh, for anybody who doesn't know that group or, or the message, the, there's a refrain in that song, and it's said over and over, and it says, exit light, enter night. Talks about, you know, it's a, some people would say, oh, that's a dark, nasty song or whatever, and then some people would say, no, it's just a rock song, you know, so I'm going to leave all that to you guys to figure out. Uh, grace, grace to all of us. Um, I like it. But, so the refrain is exit light, enter night. And what we're going to be talking about today, title of today's message is actually the opposite. Exit night, enter light. And the theme that's going to be running through this is complication kills and simplicity saves. And by that, I mean this. The gospel that Paul shares throughout Acts, throughout all of the various books in the New Testament, over and over where you see him share it, he always gives a warning that it would not become inundated and overcomplicated with human wisdom and human philosophy. It's a very simple gospel. So I want to make a differentiation right now as to the gospel I'm talking about. There's the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we can say, oh, you know, that, that person, uh, he's a minister of the gospel. And in that sense, the gospel's talking about kind of the whole counsel of God, the Bible, you know, the whole message for Christian living, not just the salvation message. It's the gospel, so it's, it's, it's used in general terms. I'm not going to be talking about that today. I'm going to be talking about the gospel where Paul says, I passed on to you as of first importance, not as of importance, but as of first importance, that Christ died according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose according to the scriptures. I'm talking about that specific gospel, the gospel that saves those who hear it. And that's the one that I'm going to be giving illustrations from my own personal experience and from scripture. And I'm gonna be keeping the message simple because the message is about simplicity in the gospel. It's funny, when I was preparing for this, uh, I couldn't get more than about 25 minutes at a session before the Holy Spirit would kind of like stop me and nothing would come. 
And I was thinking, well, what's going on? I could hear that still small voice say, because you got to keep it simple. <laughs> this message is about simplicity. Now, I want to give a caveat to that first. That, I'm not a simple person by nature, believe it or not. Um, my idea of a really good time on a Friday night, for some of you, you may know, some of you may not, is to be holed up in the corner of Lehigh University's Linderman Library, surrounded by a fortress of books. I can peer out and nobody can see me. And I'm safe. It's a warm, safe, comfortable place. I love books. I love theology. Grubby once said to me, you've got to be kidding me when I said I'm actually reading Martin Luther's uh, Institutes of the Christian Religion. He said he only knows two people that actually read that from cover to cover. And he said, you're the second one. <laughs> so I'm not a simple person by nature, okay? So there's not an agenda here. I'm not trying to, I don't have an ax to grind. I'm not trying to disparage education and higher learning and articulate speech. But that's not what saves. It's the message of the gospel that saves when it's declared with simplicity. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says, He, God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. So there's a couple things going on there. There's something to be rescued from. Now listen, I know that about 90% of you have already been rescued. But this message is a message of reminding and reestablishing and confirming and making sure that our church, and I'm not saying we're not doing it, but it's that we continue to keep that simple gospel as the foundation and preeminent purpose of New Covenant. And there's no greater time to give it because we've heard a few messages in the past few weeks that are timely and are of God where we're changing seasons. We're going from an old to a new. And that's great. And God does new stuff. But he doesn't do new things with the gospel. That's timeless. That goes through every season and every culture. The gospel does not become more progressive and more enlightened in any way. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. There is a dominion of darkness. A lot of us may forget because it's been a while. Tom said something during worship today. He said, oh, Lord, we don't even know what we've been saved from sometimes. I think about that sometimes. Um, people don't talk about hell a lot. They don't use that word. Uh, it's interesting Unsaved people are not the ones that get the most uncomfortable around it. I know that sometimes when I'm talking, I will pick up where people, as soon as the word hell is mentioned, people sound a strong caution about don't, don't be a Bible thumper, don't scare people into the kingdom, all that kind of stuff. But I, I just think to myself, well, then you have a real issue with Jesus because, I mean, Jesus, it was interspersed throughout. But when, of course, when he spoke about it, he spoke about it in a context of love and the ability to rescue us from it. 
So he immediately takes away anybody being able to level the charge that a loving God could not, somebody to, could not send somebody to hell. You're correct. He, he doesn't. He's provided a way of escape. People can choose that path, but God doesn't. And that's the message of the gospel. Galatians chapter 1 verse 4 says that he gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Let's remind ourselves we're in a very serious situation. The Bible says that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We can forget that. We can forget that as we go from church meeting to small group meeting to quiet time to church meeting to small group meeting to quiet time. Because we're around people that have been rescued. And sometimes that urgency can kind of, kind of fade into the background. This isn't a condemnation at all. This is just a reality. And again, I have no sense that this message is coming from God in a way of rebuke or in a way of, of anger. It's coming as a very loving, gentle reminder to us that no matter what we're moving into, no matter what new thing is happening, one thing can't change, and it's the preeminence of the gospel. Where Paul says, I passed on to you of first importance, not importance, first importance, that Christ died according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures. Do you know that me by just me saying that now twice in the last 10 minutes, it's transformed the atmosphere. Do you know that when those words are spoken, that demonic activity has to recede and bow down? It literally has to recede and bow down. And when the plain and simple gospel is declared, the spiritual gifts begin to rise up and become sharpened. Because when the gospel is declared and shared, you get the attention of heaven. Angels become alert. The gospel is being declared. Tension, full alert. Okay? I want to come out with an illustration right from the beginning of how powerful the gospel is and how very real the darkness is I do not share this to bring attention to myself. I share it because it involved myself, so I have no choice. But it's a powerful story, and it's complete glory to God and his gospel. But let me show you how absolutely powerful the gospel is when it's declared. I was walking about two years ago, because, by the way, I don't do this all the time. You know, Jesus says, I can only do what I see the Father doing, right? So it's when that Holy Spirit, where the Bible says, the wind blows wherever it pleases, right? It's beautiful when everything comes into, like, conjunction. The Holy Spirit is moving, kind of zeroes in, gets a bullseye, gets a laser lock on a situation, and Jesus says, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. So the Father begins to draw somebody. And now that power is centered. It's still the declaration of the gospel that saves. And again, before I share it, I want to put out one more caveat. I am all for, and in fact, most of our life is spent 
doing what I'll call expressing the gospel. This isn't, again, there's no ax to grind here. I'm all for good works. I'm all for helping your neighbors, shoveling their walk, doing the things that create the atmosphere and show them the love of God. But nobody was ever saved by a shoveled sidewalk. They just weren't. It's a good thing to bring somebody a meal. It's a good thing to do all those things. In fact, we're not, it's not a suggestion, it's a command. And it's honored by God. But again, the powers of darkness don't recede and bow down, and people are not set free from darkness by that. It's the declaration of the gospel. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the power, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of the gospel that sets men free, right? So about two years ago, I was walking up in my neighborhood, and I looked like a dad, like a basic 58-year-old generic vanilla dad. Now, I thought I looked pretty cool for a dad, you know? I was at work one time, I remember, and I said to somebody, and when I was younger, dads always looked different. I looked just like young people. And they looked at me and they said, no, you don't, Mike. <laughs> I had my bubble burst. But in my own little kingdom, in this own weird little mind, I continue to believe that I still look somewhat younger. But I'm walking and I'm wearing, you know, long shorts, white t-shirt. I got my keys dangling from the side here. That's probably the first sign that I don't care. It's, it's great, by the way, when you're liberated from caring what you look like. It's, it's fantastic. So, um, so I didn't care. So I'm, I'm going for a walk, and I'm walking around the district, uh, the school district building, and uh, I saw about, I'm going to be very careful to not exaggerate. I'm going to say conservatively 13 to 16 young people between the ages of 18 to 25. There were about four or five cars. They were all checking out their cars. Rap music was blasting. Heavy metal was blasting. There were two or three ethnicities there. They were shooting hoops. Uh, there was some other activity going on. Um, and I kept walking. And, and, I, and, and I, I have a circuit. And I walked around twice. And I'm, I'm coming. And I'm about 100 yards away up on the crest of a hill. And that still small voice said, go, go share. Now, I've learned over the last 38 years when that voice comes, there's no arguing with it. There's nothing. And, and I've also learned to not delay. So instead of walking on the sidewalk, I made a beeline right down the hill. I've learned that when you jump off the diving board and declare the gospel, there's no going back. <laughs> and it's great because it sets it. You can't retreat once it's done. You're in it, man. And, but the attention of angels in heaven is also in it. And every gift just comes to full operation. So I walked down, and I went to who looked kind of like the leader of the group, and I said, hey, go get all your friends and bring them over here right now. I have something very important to share with you guys. They probably thought I was crazy, and so they didn't want, I don't know what they thought, so they probably thought, we better do what this guy says. But I smiled, you know, and, and I said, I come in peace, and I told them I wasn't a policeman. <laughs> very true story. I kind of turned around and I, like I showed them. Um, so they came. They came over. And they formed a semicircle around me. 
So there I am standing there with 15 young guys looking at me. You better have something to say when you call people over. So I knew, like, this time I felt God said, don't beat around the bush. You don't have time to express the gospel. You don't have time to show them the life of Christ. This is an appointed time. I want you to just share the gospel. I have people here to save. So I stood there like a dad, and I just looked at him, and I said, hi, my name's Mike. I was over there, and God told me to come down and talk to you and talk to you about heaven and hell and how to be saved and I'm going to share the gospel with you. That's it. I said it. They began to listen. I began to talk. They were fidgeting a little bit. I talked a little bit about, you know, the existence of heaven and hell, all that good stuff. But when I shared the gospel, I said, now listen, I'm about to tell you the most important news that can be told to anybody. And you should, I said this, I said, you should thank God right now that I'm here doing it. Here it is. And I told him, Christ died according to the scriptures. He rose, he, he was buried, and he rose from the dead according to the scriptures. I think I said Bible verse because it didn't sound as religious. And I said, the Bible also says that if you believe in your heart that, that Christ died and you confess with your mouth and you believe that he, he rose from the dead, you will be saved. And when I said that, there was no mocking. There was no catcalling. In fact, they became riveted. And I looked at them and I said, you know, this proves the existence of God because three minutes ago, you guys were down here shooting hoops and here I am. You don't know me. I don't look like you and you're listening to every word I said. That's not me. And they're like, you know, yeah. So then I shared a little bit more, and I just repeated it. And I said, now what I would like to do is ask if there's anybody here that would like to be transferred. And I said, be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light right now and ask Christ into their heart, because that's what will happen. Because right now, you're under the control of the evil one. About two of them walked away, they walked back to their cars. So now I'm left with about 12. And I said, I'd like to pray right now. Now, this is like seven minutes into this. They're listening. They weren't listening to articulate speech. They weren't listening to anything I knew. This was the, this was the wisdom and power of God. And I said, if there's anybody here that doesn't want to receive Christ, and be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Can I ask you a favor? And can you be man enough and brave enough to not interrupt the rest of these people? A couple more people left. So now I'm down to eight. I said, I'm going to pray now. I said, just follow along with me. I began to pray. I began to hear people cry. Now this is like 10 minutes into this. That's the power of the gospel. This thing is real. And I looked up and there were three or four, I don't want to say five, I don't want to exaggerate, but I clearly remember three or four guys over here weeping who just met me in the last, by now it's 10 to 12 minutes. And I said, if you did pray and you received Christ, I'd like you to stay here. And I said, if you didn't and you didn't want to, I thanked them for not praying. I said, I'm glad that you didn't. Because this is serious stuff. So I would rather have you pray when you're ready.
but at least you heard it, right? So then the rest of them stayed. I shared my number. I talked to them for a while. And then I said, well, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> and I turned around and I walked away. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, like they couldn't see my face. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> Whoa, man, what just happened? And I'm sure they were thinking the same thing, you know? That's the power of the gospel. That's the simplicity of the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, Paul is beginning to talk to the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church was a very gifted church. And they were enamored with uh, the ability to debate and to expand on grand philosophy. Okay? Now again, re remember, one of my favorite things, corner of Lehigh Library, fortress of books. I love to sit and I love to talk and I like to debate and I like, so this is not an agenda. I'm not against that. What I'm saying is, is that there's a time and a place. And the Corinthian church, God never condemned them for being into that stuff. He doesn't say it was a sin. But here's the background that Paul's walking into. And Paul could have been tempted to bring his introduction to the kingdom of God in a very art. In, in a way that was more complicated than it needed it to be. He could have been felt pressure to show that he was of the same level as those people, but he didn't. In fact, it says, Paul said, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence. Not, with, not that wisdom and eloquence is bad. You guys wouldn't be listening to me here right now if I was just kind of jibber-jabbering. Okay, there has to be a certain amount of like articulateness. But he didn't come to them with wisdom and he didn't come to them with eloquence. It says, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. I don't know about you, I don't want to empty the cross of its power. Now, let's put this in context. Is there any human mistake? Is there anything we could ever do that could lessen the fullness and the accomplishment of what Christ did? Absolutely not. But Paul here is using a metaphor. He's using, in, it's, 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 in a sense, it's, it's very true. In a sense, it's kind of metaphorical. Oh, that's too big of a word for a simple message. Uh, it, it, what he's trying to say <laughs> is uh, if you begin to depend on your own eloquence, what happens is you begin to move away from the power of the simplicity of the gospel. When I was talking to those young guys, uh, I would have lost them if I began to talk to them about Christian living and rules for marriage and uh, uh, repentance from dead works and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, there's repentance, but I was focused on the gospel, you know? What Christ did, and people listen. I'm going to share an example about overcomplicating something to drive the point home. I used to be a warehouse supervisor in my old life, back when I really did look young. Uh, and even then, I thought I looked younger than I did. So in my 30s, I kind of still thought like I looked like I was in my 20s. I'm, I'm going to be 60 this year, and I don't know. In my mind, I kind of look like I'm 35 or 40, and I feel cool because I wear Levi's and jeans and stuff. And when I was a kid... Dads always wore pants above their belly button, and they wore, 
pants that were higher than their socks and you could see their legs. Okay, who here remembers that? Even on a Saturday, I remember even on a Saturday, my dad would, like, he always wore slacks. Not jeans, slacks, right? Polyester pants. Dad, if you're watching, God bless you. I love you, respect you. My dad's the greatest. But it's funny, I always looked at that and thought, when I'm that age, I'm, I'm going to look like I am now, right? So uh, anyway, so back then when I was working at, uh, it was a Keebler, it was a cookie company, and I was in charge of the second shift, and we brought in a new software system that kept track of our inventory, right? And we had automated storage system with what we called robots, but they weren't really robots, they were little cars that drove around, but it sounded cooler to tell somebody, yeah, I work at that building, they got robots. Like, I'd go to Yakos, they'd say, do you work in that building? I'd say, yeah, it's robotic, they got robots. Can I have a chocolate milk and two hot dogs? I'd be like, man, there's that guy that works at, there's, there's that guy that works around robots. I didn't, I just worked around these vehicles, but it really sounded good. Uh, I don't know, I got a warped sense of humor sometimes. So, anyway, there I am, Friday night, we had just installed this new inventory tracking system. We had put it in over the last two weeks, it was pretty complicated, and there were various complex things that could go wrong. And my boss, Warren, at the time, actually had me write a manual of like troubleshooting and, and fix-it stuff, you know, for emergency situations, because I was pretty good at that stuff. So I had a little manual of if this happens, do this, push this button and all that, so I'm all ready. It's my first night flying solo with this thing. The consultant that put the system in, he's back in Utah, right? And there I am, and uh, about 8 o'clock at night, all the robots stopped. The whole warehouse got silent. And whenever that happened, all the forklift drivers started beeping their horns and just having fun because they knew they got to goof off now because they couldn't do anything. So, um, so I get on the phone with this guy from Utah, and I say, we got a problem because one of the signs that this system crashed was when you were looking at the computer screen, like nothing would move, Right? You'd go to push something and move them, like nothing moved, right? So I'm on there with them, and I'm thinking complicated because for the last two weeks, I'm learning complicated fix-its and solutions to this multi-million dollar system. I'm sitting there, my assistant sitting to the right. I'm on here with this guy. He's like, well, try this, and well, did you try the X control V this, and then backslash, and I'm like, yeah, I'm we're going to get this, we're going to get this. And this girl that just started that night, it was her first night on the job, very first night, she's there for three hours, she comes walking up behind me drinking a coffee and she just innocently walks up and says, hey, isn't the number lock button supposed to be down? I'm like, you know, like, I've been here 15 years, man, you know. Can you go get me a coffee too? <laughs> I sent her for a coffee. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. Because if you don't have the number lock button down, start putting the keys, it's not putting in the right information, so nothing's fixing like it's supposed to. My instructions were right, but, like, the computer wasn't working. So I reach over and I push the button, number lock, start typing everything, vehicles start moving, everything comes back to life. I'm on the phone with the guy. He's like, oh, is, are you okay now? I'm like, uh, yeah, thanks for your help. It was really good. You know, because I had interrupted him from his dinner and everything. I'm like, yeah, no, I, th I think we're good now. Got off the phone. Tracy came back. 
I fessed up. I told her, I said, you solved it. You're good. That's exactly what it was. But man, that's an illustration. I was, I was operating in a very complex level. But everything was dependent on a very simple thing. And when we're talking to people that don't know the Lord, and it's that sovereign time. I'm not talking about, you know, the three or four years that you may be living next door to somebody and shoveling their walk and taking them meals and expressing the gospel. I'm talking about when you sense that God's saying, now, now, things have converged. They're ready. They're prepared. That's what saves. That's what saves. Complexity kills. Simplicity saves. Paul said, that which is of first importance, not importance, first importance, Christ died, Christ was buried, Christ rose again. It's never going to change. It's never going to lose its place of importance. Now again, wisdom is good. In Proverbs, we're, 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 we're challenged, we're, we're urged to seek wisdom, to get wisdom, to get God's wisdom. Education is good. Um, I was over at Lehigh last night, and I was talking to this, this kid who helped me print this off my thumb drive. Really nice guy. And uh, he's in a master's program, and like, we got talking about things, and it was just fun and all that. But um, So that's good, and God honors that. So it's not an either-or. It's not that like, like, you know, wisdom is bad. It's that it doesn't save. The gospel saves. The shed blood of Jesus Christ is what saves. And when you declare it, you can't lose. You can't lose. Even if you declare it and you're rejected, you have just put and deposited something in the hearer's heart that can never go away. The Bible says the word of God is eternal. It's not like the grass of the field that is here today and gone tomorrow. It's in there. It can never go away. It can convict them. The Bible says that the word of God pierces even to the separating of bone and marrow. That night I was at Edgeboro. Do you think in 12 minutes, a guy that's 40 years older than them, who doesn't even know them, would be able to bring them to tears? That was the Holy Spirit piercing, separating their defenses, separating everything they used to get into the very nooks and crannies of their lives. And by the way, um, speaking about the gifts coming to an elevated level when you do that, um, I actually looked at one guy. I stepped again off the diving board. I said, I bet you've had a grandmother praying for you for years, haven't you? And he goes, yeah, wow. How did you know that? I was like, wow, glad I got that right. <laughs> but it just flows. It just flows, okay? Paul was in Athens, and it says he spent 18 months reasoning with people that all they did was talk about the latest ideas. So Paul, who told us to be simple, there were times when he became all things to all men. And he met them on their level, and he debated them, and he flowed in this articulate eloquence. But he also then at the end shared that Christ died according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again. And it separated people, okay? So no matter what's going on, again, that's the message. The simplicity of the gospel truly is the power of the gospel. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. 
But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, when you share that message, do you run the risk of somebody thinking it's foolish? Absolutely. But you didn't make it foolish. It wasn't because you said something wrong. You were obedient to God. Paul's not saying the message of the gospel is foolishness. He's saying that tongue-in-cheek, in a sense, almost sarcastically, the message of the, God, message of the cross is foolishness to them because they want to believe it's foolishness. There's some people that will use that and say that. My experience has been the more somebody resists the cross, the closer they are. People don't resist things that they're not threatened by. People that become very agitated when the cross is shared, I usually walk away and think, I really got to pray for that guy. He's that close. People that are like, meh, eh. They haven't been awakened yet. To us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's the power of God. No matter what programs we develop here, as we pass from generation to generation, you know, it's funny, I sit right on the, oh, I'm going to use a fancy word just to use it, the epoch, E-P-O-C-H, as I sit on the crest between eras of new covenant, there's a lot of heroes of our faith that have passed and gone to be with the Lord in the last year. And there is no doubt there is a turning of seasons. But I sit in the middle of it, because I'll be here, God willing, for another 20 years or so. And no matter how far we get, and no matter what programs we develop, and no matter what strategies, I charge in the name of God, in the name of Christ, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And I charge myself that we would never move away from the message of the cross. Because if that becomes less, if it only becomes important, and it ever becomes less than of first importance, we may as well close the doors and open an Elks Lodge. And I'm not saying that's happening. I'm saying let's keep on keeping on. Let's maintain it. Next point. We must always be on guard against drifting away from the foolishness, the simplicity of the cross. We've we got we to be on our guard. Peter, Peter lived with Jesus. Peter saw him. Peter was an eyewitness to his crucifixion. He saw him after he was resurrected. And in the book of Acts, it says that Peter, as after Christ had gone back into heaven... There was a point where Peter, when he was eating with Gentile believers, he would, he would not follow the ways of the law and the commands that had been set aside by the cross. But when certain Jews came, he began to pull back. Now this is Peter, the rock upon, Christ, upon whom Christ was building his church, and he began to display for others more of a dependency on keeping rules and regulations. And in Galatians, Paul talks to the Galatian church and says, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? After beginning with the cross, why do you want to veer away from it? So it's just a, something to, to remind us all that any of us is capable of veering away. And we need to sometimes stop and take stock. Christ died 
according to the scriptures, he was buried and he rose. And his shed blood, the Bible says, disarms the powers and authorities. There is a Bible verse that I love. It says, Jesus, um, it says, he made a public spectacle of the powers of darkness by triumphing over them in the cross. I love it. Jesus is humble and Jesus has nothing to prove and he walked with total confidence. He was the son of God. But I really like that he had that in him that you know, I'm gonna make a public spectacle of these guys. He died on the cross and when he rose from the dead, he shamed them and he stripped away their powers and he disarmed them. And you can do the same thing when you share the gospel in its simplicity. So, I'm gonna keep it simple. That's it. What I'd like to do right now is pray. And what I'm going to be praying is that if there's anybody here that right now is in the kingdom of darkness, you know what? You know it when you are. This is like that Supreme Court justice that they said, they asked him, what's the definition of prostitution? And he said, or pornography, he said, I don't know, but I know it when I see it. If you're in the darkness, if you're under the control of the evil one, I don't have to articulate and explain it to you. You know. If you're empty, if you're living in a hopeless life, if you're not connected to the King of Kings, if you don't have that peace that those young men entered into when they began to weep when they heard that gospel, um, I'm going to give you a chance to let the shed blood of Jesus wash away your sins and bring you out of darkness. You're going to exit night and you're going to enter light. And that's what happens. Don't pray it if you don't want to. Sometimes I think we rush a little too fast. Don't do it. But if you want to, by all means pray, because that's what I'm going to be praying right now. If we could all close our eyes. Everybody's eyes are going to be closed. Father, we just come before you right now. The Bible says, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. If you want that reconciliation, follow me and pray these words. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe the gospel. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you were buried. I believe you rose from the dead. And I open my heart and I ask you to come in and save me. I ask you to take me out of the kingdom of darkness and bring me into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of peace. I ask it. I open my heart right now. I ask you to come in and save me. Thank you for listening to the NC4 podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610 816 6062.